Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. said God is good to us. We want to welcome those watching by the live stream. Good morning to you. I hope you got your Bible out and you're ready to get into the Word with us this morning. We believe that this same presence right here is now with you. And so you can expect good things. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We, we choose to be not simply hearers of the word or just simply quoters of the word or just those that go to meetings and those that do this and do that. No, we choose to be a doer of the word. You, you were quite clear, Jesus, when, when you told us that only the doer is the one who's blessed. You showed it. It's not up to you, Lord, to bless us. It's it's up to us to walk in line with what you say, believing. And that's when the blessings are made manifest. So this morning, we're not looking to be entertained. We're not looking for a ooey-gooey feeling. We're looking for instruction. We're looking for things that we can apply and to to accommodate your blessings to come upon us through being a doer of the word of God. And in that, Lord, we will be blessed in our deed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, uh, you got your Bibles? As you, as you all know, the, the world has been brainwashed. The, the world has been given a, a, a false narrative of who God is and how we relate to God. And most people in the world, because of that, have a, a legalistic belief in how God interacts with you and I. Now, that's how I was brought up in the local church. Now, we used to say, you know, if you do that, you know, God's going to get you. Or I, I can't believe, you know, if you'd walk into a church, the roof would fall in. Or if you go do that, you're going to get struck by lightning. Am I the only one who heard those things about God? Oh, my goodness. We, 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 we were always, you know, wondering when he was going to swat us with that fly swat. But you know, that's not the relationship we have with God. It, our relationship with him is not based on our behavior. It's not based on how good we are or how bad we are. Amen. Aren't you glad? Yeah. We can prove that 
from the word of God that good works don't accomplish anything in terms of our standing with God. Look at Isaiah 64, 6. There's a, there, there's, a, there's a profound statement here that the Spirit of God is making uh, real to us through this prophet Isaiah. He says, we are all as unclean things. And all of our righteousness or all of our acts of righteousness or all of the things that we do to enhance our standing with God are as filthy rags. Wow. You see, God doesn't respond to you or to me because of our goodness or, a, or how awesome we think we are. But, you know, he wants us to put our faith in him. Trusting in him. Apart from how often we miss it. It's interesting that so many people are basing their standing with God solely on the fact of their good works. Now, I'm not belittling good works this morning. The Bible tells us that we are to have good works as a result of who we become in him. But our good works do not enhance or cause us to be closer to God. The reason that the devil's been able to get us so taken in with the fact that we can get good enough for God. And that's what every other religion in the world is about, is about good works. The reason he gets us to get away with that and, and to fall prey to that is because we compare ourselves with other people. In the height, of my life against God as a professional sinner. At the height of that, when I was in the deepest muck of the world, I still thought I was good enough for God because I compared myself to others who I esteemed as worse than me. But you know, the Bible never tells us to compare ourselves with one another. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now remember, just, just keep smiling while we're preaching and I'll never know the Lord speaking to you. I'll never know it. I'll, I'll just never know it. Just smile. That's good, Pastor. Right? I'll never know. This is an interesting verse. I wonder how many of us have seen this. This was just brought to my attention not too long ago. 
2 Corinthians 10, 12. I'm reading from the King James. He says that we dare not make ourselves of the number or make ourselves like everybody else or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Have you ever been around that guy? Some of us used to be that guy. <laughs> so we're told not to compare ourselves with, with others, and especially those that are talking about how good they are. Notice what it says about those that commend themselves. They are measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves. That's a lot of themselves. And it says that that's not wise. You know, you, you can't make your candle brighter by blowing out someone else's candle. And it's interesting how we like to talk bad about people because what are we doing? We're talking about how good we are. We may not say that directly, but I can talk about you because I just happen to be better than you. Smile right here, right here. There's a good place to smile, right here. And we're good about talking about people. Well, what's happening is that's a false image of ourself. Right? It's a false image of ourselves. Well, if I'm not to compare myself with other people, then who am I to compare myself to? Anybody know the answer to that question? Let's see it from Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Tells us that we all have shortcomings. We all have failures. We've all missed it. We've all made mistakes. And because of that condition that we have found ourselves in by being born on this earth, we come short of God's glory. You know, we need to use God, our measuring stick, in comparing ourselves. Uh, looks like I got a ways to go. <laughs> I said, looks like I got a ways to go. So we know that he, when he talks about God's glory, he's talking about we are to compare ourselves with the example he gave us to be the author and the finisher of our faith. We're to, we're to examine ourselves and compare ourselves to Jesus. And we know that he walked this earth without sin. It, it tells us in Hebrews 4.15... He became our high priest. That means he's the one that goes before God in our behalf. And he cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but in all points and in all aspects of his life, he was tempted just as we were and are, yet without sin. So when we begin to measure ourselves to Jesus, it becomes quite clear that we're not good enough for God. That was true yesterday. 
That's true today. And truth be told, it'll be true for all eternity. For all eternity, we're going to remember that what we have and that which is so glorious, we didn't earn it and we didn't deserve it. So why would he have anything to do with us? If I can't be compared to God, if my goodness has no value in my good works, in my good behavior, in all that I think that I bring to the table, then why would God want to have a relationship with me? I wondered that for a long time. First John chapter 4, verse 8 says the simple answer to that difficult question is, is because of who God is. It tells us to the point in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. Notice it doesn't say that God has love. It's amazing how we humans fall in and out of love on a regular basis. And that's because we base love from the world standard, which is an emotion, which is a feeling. And the world kind of love is I love you because what you do for me. And then when you no longer meet my expectations, well, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. We could meddle right there for a little bit. We, we could talk about that a little bit. We've got to be careful of feelings. We've got to be careful of emotions. And what is creating the emotions? Usually it means we're just looking at the wrong things. But you see, God doesn't have love. That's his nature. He is love. So he sees you through the lens of who he is. Amen. Now, there's some other really cool reasons why God loves you. I'm not going to go into detail. You can write down these scriptures. God loves you because you originally came from him. Amen. Hebrews 12, 9. Since we came from God, because we were a part of God, and we're now a part of his plan. You see, God does everything on purpose. So if he came from, if we came from him, then we come with a plan for us to walk out. Amen. You can find that plan over in Jeremiah 29, 11. And then... The other reason he loves us is because he purchased us. That's what redemption means. And he's already bestowed upon you blessings because of the price he paid for you. So when God saw you and when God saw me, when we were still in our trespasses and sins, when we were still walking around in the muck of this world, the filth of this world, the sin of this world, 
When he saw us, he didn't see our behavior. He saw that that's one that came from me. He saw sonship and daughtership when he saw you in the world. And then he, he, he saw the plans he had for you. I did all this so you could walk it out and be blessed. And then he saw that you were a part of what he was going to do on the earth. And you're part of his plan. I think you know why you and I received and were able to take of God's goodness was because of his grace. Now in the last two, maybe three decades, this word grace has been used to almost an extreme. This word grace means undeserved, unearned favor and goodness and blessings from God. Now, grace is God's mechanism to give us what we don't deserve. When I was the worst, God had already extended his best to me through his grace. Now, understand that grace is what God does. Grace is what God extends to you and I. Another definition for this word grace means to be empowered to prosper. To be empowered to be successful. To be empowered to fulfill God's plan for your life. And so grace comes in all sorts of different flavors. We'll look at that next time, maybe. But understand that God's grace is what he extends to us because we can't get what he has for us by ourselves. Go to a familiar scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2.8. It says that by grace, everybody say by grace. by grace. You are saved through faith. Now, just to get ahead of myself, I want you to see the two components 
that are required to receive God's goodness that he's provided for us. Number one, you have to, you have to receive his grace. And you do that through faith. Grace is what God does towards us. Faith is how you receive the grace. Now here's where many churches have misinterpreted God's grace. They've, they've painted a picture that God's grace is automatic. That you can live your life any way that you want. Don't worry about it because God's grace will be extended to you. Yes, his grace is always extended to us, but it doesn't become our personal possession until we receive it through faith. See, forgiveness is given to us freely through his grace. But until I recognize that what I'm doing is wrong and I pursue that forgiveness by faith, I won't have the standing the Lord wants me to have. Amen? So I want you to see that there's two sides to this equation with his grace. Yes, it's given to us freely. Yes, we can't deserve it. Yes, we don't earn it. Yes, it's not because of us but you still have to accept it and allow it to come into your life. So when we see how salvation was procured and received, do you know that I had the potential to be saved for 24 years? See, everybody's salvation is already an accomplished fact. And for 24 years, I thought I had right standing with God because I was so cool. Because I was so good. And I was so better than so many other people I could point out to him. But it wasn't until that day that I saw the need and the requirement to receive Christ into my life through faith that grace that was given to me for salvation never would have been mine. I had to accept it. I had to receive it. Amen? And that's true with all the grace that he's given us. We have to receive those graces into our life to have all the blessings that he has for us. I want you to go on over to 2 Peter 1, 3. Second Peter 1, 3. I'm getting something. According to his divine power. Now, I want you to notice that scripture is worded exactly the way it was given by the Holy Spirit. 
Notice it says that his divine power has, that's a past tense verb, has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the mind of God, when he sees you, and he sees that need you have in your life, whatever it might be, it might be spiritual, it might be mental, it might be physical, it might be relational, it might, it might be financial, whatever that need is, and he sees that in your life, that need that you have, he realizes that he's already given you the answer. He's already given you the blessing. He's already given you the power through his grace to have success in that area of lack in your life. Understand that right now, his grace towards you and I is fully engaged towards you. It's fully engaged towards me. And everything that I have from him are simply the only things that I have received from him. How many know there's more things I can receive than what I already have? Amen? So it's now up to us to receive what he's already given us. All things that pertain to life and godliness. And then when you begin seeking it out in his word, you're given the knowledge of that, then you have the faith to receive it. But until you and I have the faith to receive it, we'll never have it. We'll see that over here in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews 6, 12. He's asking us not to be slothful. Now, slothful, me, I don't know what that means. Sluggish? <laughs> huh? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, sluggish? I, huh? Slow? Like the people in the short bus? Oh, okay. Um... Take that out of that tape there. Just edit that, please. That was mean and, and stupid and wasn't funny. Um, I looked it up in like 13 different translations. And one translation of slothful is lazy. Man, if you read Proverbs, you find out it says an awful lot about lazy. So he says, don't be lazy. And what's a lazy person? My name's Jimmy. I'll take everything you give me, Lord. Here I am. Give it to me. Give it to me. Well, that's not really being a student of the word as to how God's going to get it to you. He says, but be followers of those. And you and I have all sorts of examples of those that receive God's grace. We need to see how they 
receive God's grace, how they receive God's blessings, how they allowed God to be a part of their life. We see it all through Scripture. He says, follow them, imitate them. Who through faith, everybody say faith, and patience. Isn't that interesting how the word faith and patience are together? Did you ever notice how faith and patience is found together in multiple places in the New Testament? Well, if I get everything the first time I pray and it's already mine and I got it, what do I need patience for? Because maybe it doesn't manifest in the seen realm right away. You got to believe for a while. I heard someone say that faith and patience are the power twins that they work together. That patience gives the power of faith the time to work and to create. Notice what they receive through faith and patience. They inherit or they receive the promises. All these promises that are given to us through his grace. Amen? Now there was one particular point that the Lord, I believe, was telling me that we needed to emphasize this morning. Your relationship and my relationship with God is not based on our behavior. This is an area that the enemy uses constantly to condemn us, to belittle us, to tell us that we're not good enough. And you know, God can't do that for you now because you did this. And it's, it's just not true. It's a lie. Because when you accepted Jesus... You received his very life and his nature and his righteousness. On the inside of you, your inner man is now perfect. In fact, the Bible says that your inner man isn't even capable of sinning. Now, the outer man, not so much. Your outer man is just a farm animal. And a farm animal will just get into anything. But on the inside, and this is where God's looking. He looks on the inside of you, and he sees a new creature. He looks on the inside of you, and he sees that you're the dwelling place for his Holy Spirit. He looks on the inside of you, and he sees that your nature is just like his. It's love. He looks at you and he sees that you're a part of himself. See, you're like a cell that's a part of your body. That cell is one with the entire body. 
And that's how it is in God. He's not here and we're over here. No, we are one in him. You can't separate us from him. In him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. You can have your worst day. You can have the day that you made the most mistakes. It could be the day that you felt the worst about yourself. It was the day that looked like it's all going up in smoke. And God will look at you and go, my baby, Come on. my child, Come on. Amen. the one who's a part of me. Yes. And will look past all the temporary junk and see who you are forever. And so this morning, I want you to grab a hold of God's love for you. How much and how much value you have to him the way that you are right now. You see, a parent doesn't wait for their child to do something good in life before they love that child. They love that child when they're still changing his dirty diaper. Who? Right? That's the relationship you have with God forever. And we have all eternity to grow in him. And he'll never push us aside because of anything that we do wrong. Ever. Just like your parents. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean they're no longer your parents and you're no longer their child. Because your relationship is not based on behavior with them. It's based on relationship. And you have a relationship with God. And you can't lose it. It won't drop out of your pocket. There's nothing that you can do to have him turn his back on you. Ever. I said ever. So I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I'm endeavoring to do what he told me to do. I want you to grab this truth as our own. I want us to just embrace this. I I want us to walk in this. I want us to think about this and let it take root inside of us. I want you to say, as your eyes are closed, Father in heaven, I am your very own child. The moment I received Jesus, I accepted your grace. I didn't deserve salvation. I certainly didn't earn it. But you gave it to me freely because you love me. I choose to believe that you love me because of what Jesus did and not because of what I've done. Everything that I receive from you will will be because of Jesus and what he did for me. Therefore, every time I pray, you will hear me 
you will answer me. Every time I call out to you, regardless of how I feel and how things seem, you will hear me and you will respond to me. I choose to see myself as your child and you as my father. Therefore, I'm secure. Therefore, you don't condemn me. So I don't condemn myself. I choose to walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You have God's grace. You received it. It's yours. Now see yourself as he sees you. Especially when it don't feel that way. That sound good? All right, you guys are blessed. We'll see you.